0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Around the Coin. Uh, Today's
1: guest is Matt Medved, the CEO and co-founder of NFT Now. Uh, NFT Now is a premier Web3 digital media platform for NFT coverage and curation. Uh, Under Matt and his leadership, NFT Now has become the most trusted source in NFT media and made history as the first ever digital media publication to curate a major auction house sale with Christie's. Uh, Prior to NFT Now, uh, Matt founded Billboard Dance and scaled the vertical into leading the electronic and dance music publication in North America. We talked about what Matt is building at NFT Now for a bit. We really focused on the categorical understanding of what NFTs are. So breaking down the different categories of music, we talked about the history, kind of making sense of where things are today in context to the history to potentially forecast where things are going to go. Uh, Impact on everything from poetry to gaming, to art, curation of art. It's a really massive and slightly overwhelming space in the type of... Opportunities that the NFT technology unlocks. So, Matt is super excited about working on what he's working on. We just discussed how even the media publication of NFT now could morph into a Web3 platform in and of itself. Uh, he named a few fantastic books at the end and AI artists, which are something I'm definitely going to check out. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Matt Medved. All right, Matt. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks for hopping on the podcast today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat as well. Uh, So so let me just, um, you know, I'd I'd love for you to fill in the gaps here, but I know your background really consists a lot of working in the media space, you are writing when you were in Berlin, Germany, and you're writing about the DJ scene there. It seems like you've really been captured your entire life by creative outlets, uh, music, art, and what's going to be the next big thing that influences Society, how how do you describe what if you view the the consistent motivation on what pushes you forward? Where is it around social direction, like figuring out where we're going, or how do you sort of articulate what motivates you?
2: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I'll, I'll give a little bit of background that'll help kind of uh, explain that as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've always been um, like enamored with. Uh, art music culture music specifically driven has driven me forward for a lot of my career um, i uh, i founded billboard dance billboard dance electronic music brand back in 2015 um ran Spin magazine as editor in chief after that and uh, what's interesting was i actually started dabbling in crypto back in 2013 i bought my first bitcoin at the exact top of that market like watched it crash but just held on to it because i believed in the uh, in in the technology it was actually during the billboard years 2016 to 18 um, where I really started to get back into crypto because so many of my friends who were DJs, guys like Blau, RAC, who have been like real uh, kind of pioneers in the space, um, were were really involved in it and um, uh, found that I was like the only person at Billboard who owned crypto or understood it at all, started doing a lot of coverage around that. Um, and then, uh, you know, did a bunch of stuff with with RAC, um, the advice for Blau's music and blockchain festival. At the end of the day, we're always trying to figure out how does this technology empower creators um, because empowering creators and really like uplifting artistry is something that has really driven me forward for my career. Um, I always would say that even like during my media days, uh, I'm a curator, not a reporter, you know, like I was always looking for the next big thing, not like trying to break a story or, or be nosy in anyone's business. And so, you know, what was interesting was I always believed in the technology with with uh, blockchain But it wasn't really until NFTs that NFTs were kind of like that missing puzzle piece for me, um, where I felt really comfortable kind of jumping like whole headlong into Web3 full time and really taking that plunge because it was the technology I believed in for a long time, finally disrupting fields I'm actually passionate about, like music and art and culture. And in a way that actually has the potential to empower creators. So for me, it was just like every light bulb going off in my head. Um, but yeah, it all comes from a place of empowerment.
1: And that's why that's one of like our most important values at NFT now. Mm. And what if you break NF- NFTs down, uh, non-fungible tokens? Yeah. What aspect of it do you think is most um, most compelling? When it first clicked for you and you said light bulbs went off? Like, It's a great question. Um, a, the
2: potential for digital ownership. Uh, I think the fact that you can now, for example, as a digital artist, build a collector base around your work and not have to rely on client work and, and the like, um, being able to really kind of have a, have a full seat at the table when it comes to the art world. Uh, when I was talking to Blau, Blau it was a conversation with Blau, he was the one who got me into NFTs. Um, when he explained to me how as an artist, for example, Um, an NFT can create this incredible bond between uh, an artist and their fan. What he said to me, what I thought I think is really interesting, he was like, look, like, you know, if I have a show in Mexico City uh, and I I know I have fans there, uh, Spotify tells me that I get this many thousands of streams every month or whatever, but I can't reach them. Spotify has that data. I don't have that data. And that's the case for so many of these centralized platforms, right? And so, but what he could do is he could always take a snapshot of people who hold his NFT and immediately airdrop them something. He can reward them. He can reach them. He knows who they are, you know, to a certain degree. Um, And so it it allows uh, him as an artist to be empowered um, outside the ads and the algorithms that that get in the way in this, in sort of the Web2 model. Um, And so for me, what it really made sense for, what it all kind of clicked is thinking about how NFTs can actually kind of make good on the original promise of the internet. The whole idea of one thousand true fans, like Kevin Kelly, you know, set out, which is that as a creator, you know, in theory, you you actually don't need millions of fans to have a successful career as a creative. All you need are a thousand true fans who are going to pick up what you put down, support you on everything, show up to the show, buy the ticket, take the ride, you know, buy the merch, etc. Um, the issue is that many creators find themselves in this predicament where, uh, you know, they have to pay centralized platforms like Instagram, Meta, Facebook, etc to even reach a fraction of their organic following. Um, and so they, mm. they actually can't. That's why you see so many uh, artists, as we say in the music business, for example, um, there's, there's no middle class. There's either the people who are, you know, the Drakes and the Justin Beavers and then the struggling artists. And I think NFTs allow for a more equitable and sustainable model um, for creatives to directly monetize with their communities. It's like instead of in Web2 building audience, you know, on a mm. platform, as a means to the end to indirectly monetize it as a middleman for brands, you can now build community as an end in itself and then allow and then monetize directly with that community by sharing in the value that you create. Um, So I think NFTs, while they often get a lot of focus, there's a lot of focus on them in the media and all that as these. You know, speculative assets and the like, and certainly they are to some degree that it's a new creative asset class, and they're it's still in price discovery. But I actually think that there's so much like really interesting utility that lies beneath the surface that a lot of people don't don't know about, um, and how how NFTs can actually really like fundamentally empower creators and redefine
1: how creators and their communities create and share value
2: together.
0: Hmm.
1: If you if you sort of think about music and creative distribution as this oscillating, almost like a breath, like it, it it centralizes and decentralizes. Like prior to maybe 1940, there was you know your the the music you listened to was probably the local musician in town. You know they played at the local bar. You went to the local bar, and so there was a there was a local maximum of exposure they could get. Like at most, they could reach fifty thousand people in a night and it's only, it's only going to be played that night. It's never recorded. So like distribution is inherently limited from the technology then, then the incentives is, is to just to make that more distributive, more distributed. So radio comes on recording devices happen, uh, cheap, inexpensive, discs, right, come out like record players and then CDs and MP3s. And, and that goes digital. It's stored in the cloud. We go from iTunes pay per song to pay per month for all the songs. So Spotify is the, like the hyper consolidated uh, treasure chest, right, database of songs. And you you instead of going to the record label and going to the record store, you go straight to Spotify. So I almost see it as like it was very, very decentralized and, way before technology, right? All the musicians played wherever they locally were. And now it's mm-hmm. hyper-centralized, central centralized, which is why, like what you say, there's no middle class. It's like, if you're on the top of the list there, that's the only stage in town. You know, Spotify, I don't know, who's number two? Amazon Music, like Apple you could name on a handful, yeah, right? Where yeah. people, like 95% of people get their get their music from like five sources or something like that. Totally. And then do you, do you see that as, the end state of consolidation or centralization where through this technology, NFTs, it, it allows for, like, is this how you sort of mental model it out? Like it's gonna become more decentralized where artists have their own platform, like instead of three or four major music platforms, there's like every artist has their own platform. So you, am I thinking about this in the white way? Tell me like how yeah, you yeah. think about well, uh, like, um, filtration <laughs> of, of musicians for sure i think there's that element um for sure in the mm-hmm. music space and I, I think we're
2: still very early when it comes to web 3 and music um right now mm-hmm. for example like i don't i wouldn't say like nfts or web 3 have all the answers for music they haven't been, yeah. that's all been built yet yeah. you know what i mean so i always tell like my friends in the music industry i'm like hey like it's a it's always an and it's never an or it's like you should still re- release your right now you should still release your singles on on the streaming services and you should still go through the you know the um you know, some of that market, because you got to reach the masses. We have to remember, like, mm-hmm. NSCs are still very nascent. Web3 is still very nascent. It's still got a very, very small market penetration compared to the, the masses at large. But what you can also do now is create a new, a new way to reward engaged and build with your, your most highly engaged fans, your super fans, you know what I mean? So it's interesting, uh, for me, you know, uh, my dad is a brain doctor, has nothing to do with with music, but he's a huge music fan. And he, and he's probably the biggest Beatles fan I've ever met. And I grew up and he collected rare Beatles memorabilia. And so I have always understood this idea of collectability around music from a very early age. So it's why it like really clicked for me in the music context. Um, and so what's interesting is like, I often uh, like, will, will like, make an analogy to a music NFT as the signed vinyl that also doubles as like your backstage pass and fan club membership and all that. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to always go to the NFT to listen to the song. Like anyone can go listen to Abbey Road, right? But not everyone has a signed version of Abbey Road. And what's, what's interesting Mm. is that that has value when it comes to fandom. And the interesting utilities of being able to prove, hey, I'm a member of this club. That's a lot of interesting artists are doing, are bringing in these, like, you know, rewarding their most their, their most engaged fans, like what Steve Aoki's doing with Aoki-verse and the like. And it's like access to shows and these backstage and, you know, meet and greets and like these exclusive, exclusive merch. And and there's other people doing really util- like interesting spins on it. Tycho's got a really cool project on there. So what's interesting is right now, it's like you kind of have, like, I think, like, you have to sort of balance both worlds, um, but one one thing I think is amazing is it's giving artists more leverage over centralized systems. So, for example, in the music context, you know the the only route to really make it back in the day used to be sign away eighty plus percent of your rights to your music and your royalties and and your masters. Um, To a major label in exchange for an advance so that you could live as a musician and have enough to record an album and all that and then like have to recoup that and it's just a very skewed system now as an artist you can do a crowdfund via crypto via nfts um and essentially raise what you still pretty much around the same as what you would get from like a major label advance we've seen a lot of artists do this but give away a fraction of your ownership compared to what you would give away and instead of giving your ownership to these major labels that don't necessarily have your best interests at heart they have their bottom line uh first and foremost you're actually giving your ownership to your fans and I, I, there's something really beautiful about that. So I, I do think that that we are going to see uh, considerable decentralization in the music space. It's going to be a, a long process. Um, and I still think that the fully decentralized route won't be for every artist. Right. There's, a, there's gonna have this if you're if you're a, an artist that has a huge fan base, there's a certain level of scale you're going to need in terms of distribution, in terms of being able to reach. And, and this technology is still quite early when it comes to market penetration on that scale. But I do think that will be the trend as we go forward. Yeah.
1: In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management, scams, and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which has just until now only been available to multi billion dollar institutions. So, Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system. And it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com. Code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of 200 or more. Mm. And what tools now come stand out to you as if you're an artist now, like, regardless of what scale you're at uh, are there just kind of go-to tools now to create these things like AOKiverse or or are these still like independent projects that are being built out by the artists themselves like are there things that people are using both. that are yeah yeah
2: it's a really good question it's a bit of both um so some interesting platforms that come to mind uh royal which uh which is blau's uh platform which allows people uh fans to essentially buy music nfts uh essentially to in- invest in their favorite artists and actually share in a percentage of like of streaming royalties. So in mm-hmm. theory, as a fan, you could buy into an artist you believe, and then they blow up and you could actually see financial upside from that. Um, then there's another uh, a platform called sound.xyz, uh, which has done, uh, has had uh, uh, success uh in in the music nft space also in terms of building what is a nascent but actually thriving secondary market for music uh nfts which many people doubted could be done um but again these are also these are curated platforms so it's not like they're open to the public right now it's like you know they're they're letting out they're onboarding artists or bringing them in um but what, what's interesting is you know there are there are also you know Open platforms like, you know, you could mint a music NFT on OpenSea. You could mint an NFT, a music NFT on Rarible. You could mint one on Zora. Um, and I've seen people do it and, and then create, um, you know, sort of create like your own kind of dynamics around it. There's a really interesting artist, um, we're big believers in named Latasha, uh, who has actually found a lot of success, um, selling her music videos on Zora. And, you know, Zora is an open platform. And, uh, but they're just, they're, they're highly, highly conceptual, beautifully shot. It's like owning up a work of art, you know? And so Mm -hmm. people are treating them like art, like who owns, who's the collector who owns this. And again, everyone can enjoy it, but one person owns it. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the, what's been really interesting to see. And what it gets down to is music is, can be a bit, a bit of an amorphous area because I don't think it's as easily experienced and as quickly experienced as for example, visual art, you know, we have seen obviously in the NFT space. Um, digital art and digital collectibles, uh, really take off as use cases to drive market volume and awareness and, and, in terms of the mainstream. And I think part of that is because it's so easy to wrap your head around, like, as a, at a, you know, at a, at a glance, we understand in theory as a society the value of art, right? We understand like, like collecting rare art by, by artists who have career trajectories and, you know the the value proposition there as a collector, right? Now it's just digital. Now all of a sudden, all these digital artists can can enjoy that and and can build collector bases. Um, same with, with digital collectibles. I always liken it to like it's the digital version of like the baseball card, like the rare baseball card, yeah. right? Like we as a society have have um have accepted that rare baseball cards have value long before you and I have even been born. You know, like like mm-hmm. the you know the, the 1950 rookie uh, Mickey Mantle card that sold for. I think it, it just sold for what, like 13 million or the like, um, wow, you man. know, that, yeah, I think so. Like, and, and I know one sold for like 5.2 million a couple of years back, but, but um, it costs less than like five cents to make. But it, again, yeah. it's not about, it's not about that piece of cardstock and what it costs to make. It's about what it represents. It's the rarity. It's the scarcity. It's the history. It's the cultural relevance. It's the fandom and NFTs as collectibles are just the digital versions of that. You know, and so like it. it, 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 I think those use cases have been easier for the masses to understand. Music is still getting there. Music is still a work Mm -hmm. in progress, I'd say. But there's definitely some encouraging sides for progress.
1: Do you see any potential underappreciated negative externalities? Like one that comes to mind possibly is uh, how someone could sell a song, emit a song on multiple platforms or, you know, in the physical world, the fact that it's physical means that, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, whereas in the digital world, obviously, there can be multiple items. An NFT certainly can't be. The actual token itself is secured through cryptography, but you could create multiple NFTs uh, on multiple platforms. Is that a realistic cause for confusion in the market, or is, is there, is, does that make sense, first of all, and is that something it, it that does, it marketplaces it does are aware of?
2: Mm. it does make sense I, I think at the end of the day like you know there are always going to be good and bad actors in every in every ecosystem in every market um and part of the you know to have a sustainable career a successful career in you know traditional music or even ended end in web3 music there has to be a level of trust between artist and and collector and and fan right and so like yeah, in theory, yeah. as a musician, you could like try to pull a fast one and mint a song multiple times, but it's all transparent on the blockchain. Mm. People would figure it out pretty quickly and it would probably sink your chances of having any sort of viable career going forward from that. So I don't think that, for example, um, it's really a concern in terms of like artists doing that. Uh, and and I, I do think that there is a, a large gray area around like the copyright side and enforceability there. Um, I do think that platforms are, are kind of stepping up to the plate there increasingly. Um, but I also think that, you know, one of the biggest things that, that we think, and one of I, think, I think the biggest issues around, um, around, you know, the NFT space is uh, lack of education, uh, helping people get onboarded and understand, like, how to spot scams, how to spot, like, fake things. Because, like, mm. if you, if, you know, right now, it's like if you go on a platform like OpenSea, and you're looking for a project, you're probably, you're probably going to find a bunch of other copycat knockoffs, not so much in the music space, but more in the collectible space where there's market volume. And there's a lot of like people who are looking to make quick purchases and may not like, may not be um, right. doing their due diligence. You know, there's obviously a ton of scams on Twitter, you know, like people masquerading as lit le- as legitimate projects, trying to get people to connect their, their MetaMask and, you know, compromising their assets. And, the the issue is like, it, it you know, it, I, I come from, I come from a time in the crypto space coming in, in 2013 at Bitcoin, where I was like, there was like a healthy paranoia. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, oh, like yeah. not my keys, not my coins. Like, yeah. like I like, you know, like I, you know, like, thank God I like, I, I took my stuff off Mount Gox as soon as I like, as soon as I used it, you know what I mean? And I like, and I had it in my, in my like, so, in my like you know, external, like a software wallet then like, I didn't trust it on like any platform. I, you know, you couldn't even trust the platforms back then. It was like truly the wild west the NFT space could use uh, like a bit of a dose of that healthy scenario. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. because you have mm. so many, you have so many newcomers to the space who are not only new to NFTs, but they're new to crypto and they're not, and they're not, and they're new to that whole, like some of the things that we, as, as people who have been in crypto for a bit somewhat take for granted, like, you don't just like, you, like sign up to your, your MetaMask to, to any random site. You don't, you don't sign transactions unless you really yeah. know what they are. Like, You know, you don't trust these links, things that seem very obvious to us, um, such as like don't buy that NFT until you verify that it's the legitimate collection, that it's the one that that the artist or the or the creator or the project is linking to from their official, you know, sites, all that stuff, like things that make sense to us. It's really easy for these newcomers not to know. And it's why we've seen so many kind of like high profile um, hackings and and, uh, scams and the like, because. Um, th- there's, there's a big education gap that, that needs to be closed. So I know it was a long, a long, uh, uh, little bit yeah. of a long and wide big, uh, answer to your question, but I, I do think like, it's, it's, it's less about, I'm, I'm more worried less about like the people trying to, to do that as I am people trying to prey upon, um, like newcomers to the space who, who don't
1: know. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Just for, for just general chaos from the early, yeah. early technology, which is, you know, to be expected. Um, that's Yeah. It, Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and how do you break down the market of NFTs? You have collectibles, you have music. Yeah. Uh, what are the big categories that exist today? And what are kind of what you see as maybe other categories coming down the pipeline?
2: I love this question. It's a great one. Um, one thing I want to start out with is uh, mainstream awareness of NFTs is, is a really funny thing because NFTs are a medium uh, that are being treated like a category, right? Like a lot of people, there, there are a lot of people out there who. Just like when you hear NFT, all they think about is Ford ape and sword apes and maybe people Mm -hmm. and the like like that. And what's interesting is those are just those are just two categories of two interesting use cases. I think there are so many use cases. So in terms of what has driven market volume and awareness and adoption, all that, obviously, like digital art um, and digital collectibles have been huge. Right. Like NBA Top Shot was was a was a big driver of mainstream awareness and adoption. Uh, when, when Beeple took off, you know, that, that really was a game changer for the digital art world. Um, the success of community-based PFP projects um, like Board Ape Yacht Club, which was, you know, inspired by CryptoPunks, which is like the OG OG one. Um, those collectibles obviously spawned a lot of imitators and, and, and admirers and like a second generation. Um, so, so those are very proven. I think those use cases have like proven, um, uh value to the market and also in, in terms of like like burgeoning awareness music is a, is a really interesting one photography is an area that we're seeing a lot of of new market mm-hmm. volume um people are you know when i joined the space um there were barely any phot- photographers on super rare and and practically none on nifty gateway now there are tons of photographers and there's an amazing like photography community um it's really kind of um changing the creative economy over there as photographers can go from go, like a a services industry to like a proper like goods industry where they can be collected similar to what happened with like digital art um then you know gaming is another one that that we have seen we've seen early use cases for it drive considerable market volume but also uh, encounter some significant problems you know Axie yeah. infinity drove insane amounts of market volume last year um but also and you know and kind of like really really was the poster child of the play to earn gaming concept um but obviously for for a number of different reasons um you know they've 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 hit some some speed bumps and some harder times you know they there was that exploit on ronin which was tough um and it's like you know i I do think that um in some ways they were like ahead of their time and it's going to be really interesting to see um where the blockchain gaming space goes but i think it is absolutely a massive sleeping giant like you look at the look at the market like f- f- cap of the traditional gaming industry and it's 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 next level and so like that is all going to come to web3 eventually like ownership they may not call it nfts they may call it skins they may call it land they may call it items you know things like that But digital ownership is going nowhere. Gaming, I think, is actually going to be one of the forces that helps drive the next NFT bull run. So I'm very, very bullish on gaming. Um, And then I think there's some other really interesting use cases that don't get as much attention, but I think are are bare mentioning. Um, I'm a big believer in literary NFTs. Like, I think that it's absolutely going to change the game for poets. Like, poets are going to be able to have collectors. Actually, it's already happening on a small scale. Um, There are already poets who are are finding success with, like, collector bases and, and like, similar idea where it's like, Rather than just like being paid pennies to like, in, pub- like include this in a in a literary journal or like self-publish a book or whatever, like you know they can actually build they can actually build a real collector base and with ownership of of it. And I think poetry is uniquely suited for that because it's similar to art; it can evoke an emotional response very quickly. You know, and like yeah. you know, it's it's not like you have to read a full book to to get it. It's yeah. like a it, it it'll, it's right there so literary is gonna be really interesting i think also crowdfunding literary projects and like being able to provide it a decentralized alternative uh to the publishing houses um tv film there's an amazing artist named uh julie pacino a filmmaker who crowdfunded her her film by selling photo nfts and i think there's really interesting opportunities there to go outside the traditional like studio models and then there's going to be a bunch of like you know less less sexy but like still the no, no less important like you like uh utility based NFT uh cases sort of like 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 the deed to your house or to your car or you know like the uh, or like government documents mm-hmm. even healthcare records like and then you get into like soulbound tokens the SBTs which are the ones that you you can't sell or transfer they're like you know uh they're they're um you know kind of permanently attached to a wallet which could be really interesting around these records that you know we don't want to like you know, it's you know, We don't really want anyone selling their uh their their college degree on the open market, right? You know, like, yeah. things like that that shouldn't be transferable. But it's just it's just really interesting. I think at the at the end of the day, like the way I always try and break it down for people is like we are all part of the last generations to grow up without digital ownership from day one, and so like the future generations to come are going to grow Are gonna grow up owning things digitally and physically. They're not going to question it. They're not going to have the same hangups as we do. Like, how do I hang it on my wall? Like, right, click, thing Like, none of that's going to really be in their calculus. They're going to own things digitally, own things physically, and they're going to appreciate them for their own unique strengths and appeals. So, like, this genie is not going back inside the bottle. We're already seeing this with Gen Z, who's, like, all over Fortnite and Roblox and, like, owning skins and things like that. They're just not NFTs. They're in centralized servers. But, like, the desire to own things digitally is there. So like, it's just, a, it, it just, it just makes too much sense. So, you know, I, I think there's gonna be, it's really gonna be really incredible to see as as more use cases emerge. And, um, you know, I, I think we've only just scratched the surface.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting way to frame it. Like we're the last generation to have a non-digital native ownership, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. because it does make a lot of sense that people who are born in this space, born in this time would just, um, you know, take what exists and run with it forward. Uh, and, and kind of the, the situation we're in now with NFTs, crypto, uh, metaverse, VR, AR, AI stuff, kind of all, I would say in like early, early innings, early to like mid innings, maybe crypto and Bitcoin, like the financial instruments are probably the most mature, just given that that's where Mm -hmm. it started. Um, do you see a, a clear trajectory on, on pattern matching? Like you have different categories of NFTs that you mentioned, right? Music and, uh gaming and so on and so forth and then you have the mechanisms through which those can be monetized so you have the like the other side of that which is you have the technology distribution ownership and then you have the financing so it could be crowdfunded mm-hmm. you can like pay per per view you could have some time based you know you could look at an art piece of art for i don't know maybe you could buy time on it I, I, i'm sure there's many different ways to like remix how people pay for these things uh then you have the the projects themselves, which are just sometimes like category defining, people being one of them. Um, and I think people confuse sometimes the project for the representative category and early yeah. stage things like poetry. Is it clear how they come together? Um, I probably, my guess, tell me if you disagree, but it, it seems like we're, you know, Oculus, Oculus 2. I would imagine Apple has to roll out like their version of this. Like clearly the, the phone is, is is not going to be the the end all be all for hardware interfaces for technology like it it seems like it, this would be a better conversation if we could just throw in some glasses and and actually be almost indistinguishable from for the physical world totally D- clearly nft fits square into that right if you're if the more immersed you are into a digital world the more the more useful a nft representative ownership of a piece of art or something is to you because you know you could actually put it on your wall when you look at the wall maybe your wall is actually physically empty but when you look you have this nice painting that somebody made do you see like um combinations of these things interfacing in in non-obvious ways ai i was playing around this past weekend with the mid-journey beta yeah and it's I've like playing around too. So much It's fun. like, you just, it's, 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 mind blowing. I mean, once you see yeah. that, you're like, okay, well, if I type in anything, you know, giraffes dancing on the moon with fire exploding in the background, you yep. could just describe a scene, you know, I walk into a room, yeah. there's a woman sitting on the counter, there's, you know, a waterfall over it. And then you could describe a continued scene in a movie. So the cost of like movie production is effectively nothing, just people's time, just like software drops to virtually nothing. And now, you, now you have this like, world where anyone could create different scenes and movies and, and enactments. Do you see areas where, if you kind of play this thought experiment out, that they're like, oh, we're, we're about to create, I don't know, a whole new, like Hollywood's going to get completely flipped on its head or, because it seems the implications of this affect everything in a major way. Yeah. The NFT stuff, to be honest with you, I'm like, okay, it's early, it's early stuff. It's like, cool to have a board ape. You know, it's, it feels like it's going to be a part of history someday. Maybe today it's a lot about pricing and making money. And, but it's like mm-hmm. when you're immersed in it, I don't know. Do you, I, yeah, your reaction. I, oh yeah, I've got a
2: lot. I got a lot there. Um, what I want to say uh, on the NFT now podcast, we actually had Claire Silver on, and she is an amazing AI artist. And she totally mm. changed the way I think about AI. Um, she described it uh, as a camera for your imagination. Mm-hmm. and um and it's like she kind of likened it to the invention of the camera where like when the camera was invented a lot of people thought like is this the end for painters and like traditional Mm. portraits and obviously like it wasn't it's just like it's always an and right and uh and and it just it just changed like the nature of it and and she kind of talked about like the idea of like curation as its own art form because you know you can give any you can give everyone you know like with these like sophisticated aisles like like mid-journey and and dali like you know even though you can create something from thin air with an idea that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can always create like what the, what the people who are like most skilled with it can. Right. And like, it's going to be really interesting because there's going to be like, like technique is not going to be like a, um and skill isn't going to necessarily be like, like hold people back from, from being able to create, which is going to have, I think very positive implications and also potential negative implications as well. Um, I think in that, in that world building context, like you're spot on in the sense that like, I think NFTs are going to make a lot more sense to people um, once, especially like, like, especially in, in some of these more visual manifestations of it. Uh, once we are, you know, a bit further along in, in metaverse, like understanding and adoption, um, because most people aren't there yet. You know, like I only just got my first VR headset, like in the past month or two. And I've been in this for a bit, you know what I mean? It, like, so if I'm not even there, like, You know, like a lot of people aren't. And so, and I do think like, it's really interesting when I talk to collectors in the traditional art world and they're often like, oh, but like, where am I going to hang it on my wall? And I'm like, well, like, do you spend more time looking at your walls or your screens? And he was like, well, I suppose like I'm on my phone this many hours. And I'm like, well, think about this way. It's like, just like you talked about how in the pre uh, like internet era, Musicians, like their reach into the centralized matter, their reach was like limited to like who they could play for at like their local shows. Like similarly, I'm like, yo, look, like, you know, you, you have a nice home. You probably invite maybe a hundred guests a year to, to see it at, at most, probably less in the, in the past few years, the COVID. And like, I'm like, so how many people actually really get to see the art that you collect? I was like, you have that up in a metaverse gallery. I was like, I built a little metaverse gallery for fun the other day. I tweeted it out one tweet. It got like, I had like, like, almost two thousand people visit it like you know what i mean like the potential to actually share uh what you like you're what you're passionate about and what you own your collection things like that with a much wider audience is is like inevitable and and really obvious to me and, and i think it will become increasingly obvious as people use these platforms more for sure like the the current like experience of nfts like cumbersome wallets like um you know like like looking at them in this like on these like web2 like old school mm-hmm. devices like it's definitely not optimal um and i and i think like you said like in some ways i often say like the nfts being like created now they're like the cave drawings of the metaverse you know it's like we're that early mm-hmm. right like and 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 like as 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 this progresses things are going to get a lot better they're going to get a lot more sophisticated they're going to get you know like it, it it's going to it's going to continue to to grow um and and it's actually amazing to think we've even seen the level of like you know of of uh attention and and conversation and and discourse around it, considering like it's still such a it was even at its peak it was still such a small percentage of of market penetration when you think yeah. about it uh overall compared to crypto or compared to the internet like we have so much so much we have such a long way to go um and so you know. Well, I, I do think that this will make more sense to people once that's the case. And I also think it will make more sense to people once like the technology isn't the focus and it's in the backdrop, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think that like NBA top shot, I always said like that was a bit of I always considered it a bit of like a glimpse into the future of NFTs because it was a very, you know, you know, for all the, the pros and cons of the platform and the ups and downs, but like, you know, it was a very smooth onboarding process. You didn't need to create a crypto wallet. Um, I don't even think the word NFT or crypto or, or any of that appeared on it. It was this, it was digital collectibles that also just, they happened to be NFTs, you know? And so I think that like what we've often seen with technology in general is that, you know, real adoption happens once the technology kind of goes to the back to the backdrop and the value proposition and and the understanding of, of how this can actually really uh, enable and empower and, and, and shock and surprise and delight as the marketers like to say um you know the the consumers comes forward like you know it people weren't excited about mp3s but then when uh the ipod came and steve jobs was like 100 100 songs in your pocket it clicked and and like nfts haven't had that moment yet but they will and that moment will be what exactly it'll be in it's a great question yeah it's a great question it's a great question um I, I I honestly, I can't, I can't say, I can't predict mm. the future exactly there. Um, I, I do think that in order to get there, it's going to need to, we're, we're going to have to make significant strides on, on usability, UX, all that. Um, I do think that, for example, and, and it's good at that moment, maybe different in different, in different categories. I think that mm. moment has already happened for the, the art world. Like the right. digital art, like digital right. artists have had that moment. They're like, wait, instead of being paid peanuts to like, use my artistic skills to to fulfill someone else's creative vision as client work. I can instead be like create a career, a successful career based on my own creative vision and build a collector base and sell this for more money than I ever thought would be possible as an artist in many cases. Like that, that, that that's click. Beeple was that moment for the art world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that genius not going back inside the bottle. I think that moment will come for the gaming world. When they understand that for so long, they've been spending their time and attention. And in many cases, real money, like in these centralized, like, like closed server ecosystems. And it's like, they can't, they can't really sell that properly on the open market. They don't have that composability. There's not that interoperability. Like I always think about, I was a gamer as a kid. Like I used to play Diablo 2. I spent endless hours, like building, like, like training these level 99 necromancers. They're like, where, where's that value? You know, it's on some abandoned Blizzard server that's like not being served anymore. Like, imagine if I could have sold that at the open market during its peak, like all of that. Like, it's mm-hmm. like the value proposition is obvious when you think about it there. It's like, why would you choose to be like in this like closed ecosystem where you can't, you know, like really, really see the value of, of your of your efforts? And so, like, it, I think the, the, it's, it's a really good question. I, I, I do think that that moment is going to come for different industries and different categories um, at different times and in different ways.
1: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Yeah. It always, it, the gaming, gaming argument always seemed less the, the, the least convincing to me because when I talk okay. to people uh, in the space, I, I talk to people on both sides. Some people are like yeah. all in on, you know, play to earn and NFT games. Some people are like. Are a lot of skeptics right now. Well, yeah. So, yeah, there's smart skeptics too I talk to who are like, yeah. well, to build a game is to invest m- many millions of dollars into this ecosystem and designing it, and the 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 assets that are in the game, the swords and the skins and everything, are specific to that game. So it wouldn't make a lot of sense to move from one from Fortnite to World of Warcraft or something like the. It it, it has to integrate with the design of the game itself. Now, there's certainly an argument to say that there's a greater. Um, economies of scale for trading outside on a third-party marketplace for sure you could also have that you know that old uh level whatever uh you know accomplishment profile that you got as a kid that could be i don't see why that couldn't be traded within the game itself to other people who are in there and i don't know enough about gaming to say if they're currently doing that but it seems like that would be the low-hanging fruit and yeah yeah,
2: and 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 I think look, I look. I think there's some merit to those arguments, but I think they also come from like what is the sort of like web two mentality of like gaming, which is like everyone in their own silos, kind of building their own thing. Like, why why would we have crossover? Like, blah 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 blah. Whereas like what we're already seeing is like this incredible collaboration in the web three space, where like you know even looking at like uh, other side, which you know is is a concept right now, it's under development. It's the board apes, uh, you know, metaverse, and there will be a, a gaming element to it. It's like when they launched it. They also included like Cool Cats and, and World of Women and like all these projects that they don't they don't own. You know what I mean? Mm. That but there's going to be interoperability there because they see the value of being able to bring you know their communities in and and have that inclusion. Because at the end of the day, like I think I think what we're going to see is um, in order to be successful, like as a metaverse in in this like new era, like even you have the coolest you got the coolest virtual world ever, but if nobody's there, it doesn't have value, right? Yeah, you know, and so like. You know, I, I think that as we start to move from these centralized, like, like siloed experiences to a to an area where there's going to be these these like more massive um, like interoperable worlds. Um there's it's actually going to be like if there will actually that'll have to be a value proposition that's taken into uh, into consideration when these games are being developed and that doesn't mean that every game is going to be made for that so i I don't think that like necessarily like every game is going to have to be there for the open metaverse and all that but as that continues to become uh as that continues to develop and gamers start to have different expectations around around where they're the value in their of their efforts uh lies and, and and where that can go and how it can be transferred and and all that i think we're going to see increasing uh an increasing trend in that direction it's going to take time though because just mm-hmm. like you said and just like those gamers said um it it costs it takes years and and millions to build a triple a game that's why like you know uh, it's you know a lot of like the games that are going to really push like redefine the space and really i think help consider like draw like kind of drive the next bull run i think a lot most of them haven't been released yet some of them are under development right now because it takes mm-hmm. time okay. um, to do that and again i, I also think like it is this, this it's it's not going to happen overnight
1: you yeah know? yeah yeah gaming gaming seems like the heaviest lift of all yeah. very i mean you P- create a lot of potential. A lot of potential, you're creating new worlds that have, like, just the amount of work that goes into it. It's it's literally creating a whole metaverse virtual experience yeah. in every one of them, which is, uh, you know, it's a lot harder to do than making some one piece of digital art and releasing it on a platform. Totally. And I think what we're going to see is, like, I think we're going to see, um, I think
2: we're going to get away from the climate where, like, everyone thinks they can, like, build their own metaverse because it's yeah. up to know- and uh, like, I think we're going to we're going to see some winners, like a few like a few big winners and we're going to see our like more niche ones. I think what's interesting about thinking about the metaverse is like, you know, just like you said, like, you know, I, like for me growing up, I grew up in Rochester, New York in the pre-internet era. I loved music. I love punk, me- punk metal, punk bands and rock and like metal and shit. And so like I had to find friends who were like in my geographical proximity, who like shared the same interests as me. Um, and then the internet made it possible to connect with like similarly minded music people, or, you know, like for me in my context, like maybe dance music, then electronic, as I got into that um, over the internet, you know, through like, you know, social media, et cetera. Like what's going to be interesting is seeing how um, people are going to not only be able to connect with similarly minded people, but create their own worlds together. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be really interesting around some of these more like niche um, interests, passion points, subcultures, et cetera. I think there's going to be some really interesting uh, potential for education and access to education in developing countries, you know, like once, you know, it's like being able to like, have like virtual classrooms and the like, um, obviously we'll we'll take a lot of distribution and technology, um, that we're not anywhere near yet, but, you know, similar to how the mobile phone is now like pretty ubiquitous at its most basic form. Like Mm -hmm. eventually we're going to get to a place where I think access to
1: these virtual worlds will be, will be, uh, there, but it's a long ways off yeah when you created nft now and how you think about it today is it is there a reference point is there other is there another a corollary corollary or um uh like type of media publication you're trying to replicate and then do so in the in the new world of nfts is there like a model yeah it's a great question so i always say is
2: you know um we we founded nft now to solve a problem that we were facing ourselves, which was access to like credible resources in the NFT space. I remember when, when we were, when myself and my two co-founders, Alejandro and Sam were getting, were kind of going down the rabbit hole. Um, the the climate back then was characterized by, you know, this was kind of like late 2020. Uh, we, I, we founded the NFT Now accounts in, in January, 2021. And, um, you know, it was a lot of uh, platforms like out there that were like promoting their own drops and like these like talking head influencers, like on Twitter, pretty much shilling their own bags, you know, and it's like, mm. we're like, where's like the credible information at? Like, where's the billboard of NFTs? Where's the complex? Those are a couple ones that we think about. Obviously, I have a history working with billboard. I've been there, you know, so like I think about it, but it's less about their model. and It's more about what they represent, like credible, authoritative, um, interesting, like storytelling. Um and then i think kind of coupling that with with like web3 innovation. so the last thing that we want nft now to be is just a traditional web2 media company covering nfts. um so our mission is to empower the creators of culture and to help bring nfts from niche to mainstream. so the second part is important because we also have to meet the masses where they are. so that is why for example like we had to, we started by like building uh, on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, and a website and YouTube and like, you know, the podcast and these Web2, Web 2, these Web 2, you know, platforms. Because um, at the end of the day, like, we didn't want to preach to the choir. We wanted to help convert the masses and we have to go where they are. Um, but I think that Web 3 gives a really interesting opportunity for media in the sense that, like, for so long, like, media has relied on these like weak ties at the top of the funnel, um, you know. Like I talked about building audience as a means to the end, to indirectly, you know, like to to indirectly monetize as like, you know, as a middleman for brands and all that. And and so we really want to pioneer a community centric media model and, um, you know, where people have ownership and uh, we realign incentives because I think a lot of right now, a lot of people are, uh, they're loyal to the headline and not to the publisher, right? Like it doesn't matter who it is, you know, it's like in your feed or whatever like you know it, it's hard to, it's hard to distinguish there's no real loyalty there's no incentive for you to support you know the new york times over the washington post or whatever and i think that like web3 has like some really interesting um opportunities to to kind of explore that and so um, we're working on some cool things and um you know i i think at the end of the day you know we we really want to be um uh that that sort of uh, onboard ramp for the mainstream market and uh, that's why if you go on nftnow.com you'll see there's a lot of um uh educational resources and guides and what how-tos and the like and what you won't see on nfcnow.com are programmatic advertisements because we don't we don't we want to leave that in web too like we don't want to be optimizing for clicks to, to serve advertisers you know like i think that's an outdated and antiquated uh business model so kind of so, 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 you know yeah. build the web for and, the future and what what is the current business model is it uh right now revenue largely comes through events and partnerships Gotcha, but uh, we we have uh, we're going to be you know there's there's a membership pass on the horizon uh, in terms of NFTs and and much mm-hmm. more as well. So we're, we're really excited to um, kind of come, come into uh, come into full you know kind of blossom as as it pertains to sort of like the Web three elements that, that we're going to be adding to the to the business. Do do you
1: see a, 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 maybe a predictable trajectory of similar to how the crypto based protocols have gone with this you know proverbial. End zone of being like a DAO, where it started as a centralized LLC project. They build the project, they raise money, uh, investors or retail investors, whoever, and then they're building the protocol with the initial with the with the plans to dissolve the LLC that created the protocol in the first place. So this thing kind of lives and breathes on its own. People vote, and there's a kind of a, a collective mechanism. Is do you see a similar pattern that could be re- reproduced for media organizations? I think we'll see some that do, you know, yeah. like I, I think yeah.
2: we'll see some, especially ones that come from like, like Web3 native. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that many will be sort of like a, like more of like a progressive decentralization model, like where it's, um, you know, because I, at, to some degree, I, I think a lot of editorial publications, um, still, still want to retain control of their newsroom in the sense of like, what is our voice? What do we cover? Right. Our values, you know, et cetera. And, and aren't necessarily ready to just like turn that over to the community in a, in a fully decentralized manner. Um, uh, but there will be some that do, I'm sure. And I think there will also be many that that find ways to um still have their, their community have a say in things while not like necessarily giving up like full uh, uh you know autonomy of the of the newsroom. Um it's something we've thought a lot about too, as you know, we think about the NFT now community and being able to like empower them to have a say in, in certain like content series and, and things that we're covering. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly really a compelling argument because I could see software in a marketplace which you might use for like a compound or ave it 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 in and of itself is just a a medium to do something right exchange coins or make some some trade and and that works really well the media enterprise the media endeavor is really uh uh distribution of of quality content it could be whatever Mm -hmm. content you're you're making videos and written pieces arguments in certain areas but they're really like that constant production is, is yep. the media company. So th- what the key things would be deciding like, what are we gonna talk about? How is it, how are we gonna talk about it? And th- that, that, that seems to be the big thing, right? So the North Star, the principles of a media company would be arranging, what are we talking about? And what's our, what's our angle on it? What's, what, are we, what are we trying to, are we trying to be completely non-biased? Are we trying to assert some direction to society? um mm-hmm. which is an interesting yeah a combination of like this is our north star but also amendable totally i think you
2: can yeah.
0: be
1: uh, as a media organization you know we we know there are in the
2: 2 world there are right-leaning ones there are left-leaning ones there are ones that have like you know around mm-hmm. certain ideals and like i think it's no so different there like i think as long as you're being you know like we've seen we've seen ones go too far in, in certain directions and the like but like you know i i think that um you can be a mission-driven media organization also be incredible Um, As long as you're, as long as you, you know, kind of adhere, you you adhere to your stated values and the like, and so it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting, Um, you know, especially as we think about the future of tokenized media. It's something that we're really excited about, and um,
1: you know, I I think that uh, NFTs open up like a really interesting chapter. Yeah, in some ways, it kind of captures captures a larger percentage of society's attention away from classical politics uh, of things we're debating on, like mainstream CNN and and other media organizations to like. Technology and future digital debates, which are mm-hmm. in some ways more interesting, I mean, not to say the others aren't important, but they're like they're almost different different layers to them It's like you know there's yeah. debates I'm sure that'll be like there'll be politics of the digital world which are interesting to think about how that'll shape out yeah.
2: definitely, and thinking about like how those like you know how that's expressed right? yeah and, uh, and and on what mediums and and all that and uh, it's it's been it's a fascinating time like you said it, it's uh it's that earlier it's uh it's it's let, let it never
1: be said that we don't live in interesting times right yeah totally are there any particular people blogs twitter or youtube books things that strike you as things that you've read or or consumed that have really kind of shaped your worldview or narrative recently So, a really great question um
2: I've been so like tunnel vision like on, uh, on NFT Now. So yes. I, I would have to, of course, say like highly recommend if you're interested in NFTs, you know, following what we're doing over there. Um, you know, NFT Now and all socials and NFTnow.com. Um, in terms of like books and the like, the first one that popped to my head um The Social Organism by Oliver Luckett. Um, mm. And Oliver's a, a friend as well. It's a really interesting in that it, it you know, it was written prior to, uh, you know, like really like Web3's rise. But I think it's its principles in terms of understanding how social media networks have like kind of proliferated and the way that like memes and and memetic sort of like language um so almost mimics like a biological organism. Like I think there's a lot that can be gleaned from it and then applied in like a web three context. Um I, I also think um I, I'm actually reading a book right now called The Organized Mind. Let me see who it's by. Uh, daniel levitin Mm. and um he's a neuroscientist and part of that is i think all of us in the crypto nft web3 space like we all deal with information overload it's just a nature it comes with the territory like this is a 24 7 space it's always on it doesn't close you know for the weekend it doesn't close for holidays um and often you know it's it's uh things happen so fast i always say in web3 like weeks or months and months or years, and it can be really overwhelming. It can be really exciting, but it can also be really overwhelming. And so I found that book helpful just in terms of principles around like really kind of ensuring like that you can stay focused, that right. you're that you're dealing with that information overload in a in a productive way, um, just like, you know, the idea that like, like our brains were never meant to, we're, well, we're never meant for this. And so right. they're they're all adapting as, as we go. Um, so those are two books that, that come to mind. You know, I, I think that um, one other I'll, I'll say is if you don't follow him on Twitter already, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Punk6529, um, who's been a really uh, kind of an active voice, um, especially for decentralization and the open metaverse in, in the NFT context. Um, and, you know, he has some really incredible Twitter threads that speak to, like, the importance of decentralization and what he's building in the open metaverse there. Um, I have no uh, like affiliation with him other than like yeah. we follow each other and I respect him and I respect what he's building. Um, but he would be a, a good follow, you know. After you, after you followed NFT now and 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 us as well. So
1: totally, Matt. This is so fun. Congrats on everything you're doing. I can tell you're super excited about it, which is awesome to see. And I hope you guys uh, keep crushing, and stay focused.
2: Yeah. No. Thank you for having me. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation and uh yeah appreciate it i think that uh, uh there we, there's a lot to be excited for on the horizon yeah um across across the across the board you know for, from the from every aspect of web3 and um you know i'm i'm uh hyper focused on nfts but uh, I, I think that uh these these areas are going to continue to overlap and and create value in, in interesting ways together so
1: totally all right brother. Awesome, man. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet about it or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach
0: out. We would love to hear from you. you